Hey, this is Kaylee Humphreys, two-time Olympic champion in bobsleigh. Hey, this is Jonathan Simpkin. I am the president of 604 Records. Hey, I'm Sam Roberts. Hi, I am Julia Budd, Bellator 145-pound, three-time world champion. Hi, this is Tom Zadora, and I'm a sex and relationship guru. Hey, what's up? This is John Humphrey, drummer for the rock band Caesar. Hey, I'm Kristen Renton. Hey, this is Troy Lacanna from Tesla. Hi, it's Captain Kirk McLean here, and you're listening to the Toddcast. Podcast. COVID-19 has affected your life, no question. And if you hear somebody saying otherwise, they're lying. Once they find a vaccine, will things go back to normal? Will we have a new normal, maybe? The vast majority of people are expecting things to go back to normal or hoping, hanging on, to normal. This week, American pro boxer Marlon Esparza is a guest. Her life was directly affected by the coronavirus pandemic. Her last fight was postponed, and so far, there hasn't been a rescheduled date. I did some digging to get her on the podcast, talked to Bianca at Bukaram PR Group. I'm hopefully saying that right. She set things up for us. Now, joining Marlon is Dr. Brooke Goldner, board certified, the author of three best-selling books, a great talk, also set up with Bianca, Big love to that team. A pleasure to work with. Don't you just wish that everything about your job was easy peasy? Coming up in just a few minutes in Stop Me If You've Heard This Before, the Trailer Park Boys talk about the superpowers that they would want to have. Brought to you by our buddies at ProTech Welding Steel Fabrication in North Vancouver Essential Services. Online at ProTechWelding.com. First, our first guest of three, this week's musical guest is multiple Juno Award nominee, Canadian bluesman David Gogo. Brought to you by the Railway Stage and Beer Cafe, 579 Dunsmere, downtown Vancouver. And soon, you'll be able to see live podcast shows there once again. And I, for one, cannot wait for that. David Gogo has been playing since the age of five. Just a little tyke. Fast forward 10 years at 15 while at the Royal Theatre in Victoria. Now, he's from Nanaimo, so it was a quick little road trip up to see Stevie Ray Vaughan, who encouraged David to pursue the blues. A year later, by 16, David is now playing regular work. He's getting gigs as a musician. Impressive stuff. He formed a band called The Persuaders, opened up for just a ton of awesome bands like Johnny Winter, Buddy Guy. He talks about playing with B.B. King in the full interview. He's easily one of Canada's best bluesmen, a Maple Blues Award winner. You've seen him on tons of festivals over the years. He's toured relentlessly like a dog, supporting Juno-nominated albums, Western Canadian Music Award-nominated albums. And as you'll hear in the full conversation, which is now posted at our iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud pages, we're also part of the Dean Blundell Podcast Network at deanblundell.com. David is a super nice guy with a great sense of humor. Search us out through Toddcast Podcast. In the meantime, here's 10 minutes with David Gogo. The Toddcast Podcast. Let's go back to the beginning. This is before you're in any bands, before you're playing music on your own. What's the music in the Gogo house as a kid growing up? What are your parents playing you and stuff? Well, it's funny. I, I come from a very musical family. I have a lot of cousins that play music, and, and they've been successful at that. But we never really saw each other that much when we were young. Hmm. Um, and But my immediate family, like my mom and dad and stuff, like none of them play an instrument. But 
music was very strong in the house. Um, <clears throat> my dad had a lot of cool records, and he played them really loud. That was the other thing I remember. <laughs> like, like he, he cranked them, you know, and the neighbors would get pissed off. But nice. I, I dug it. But it was everything from CCR and Hank Williams. But he had some blues records in there, too. He had some B.B. King and Can Heat. Um, I remember Taj Mahal mm. and, um, and, and, and Otis Redding. So that's some really cool stuff, man. That is cool stuff. Yeah. Like, it's definitely not stuff that uh, you would think a kid would gravitate towards but do you, do you think that it like how much do you credit your dad and the collection of music that he was playing how much do you credit him pushing you down the road you went down well didn't really push it to me it was just in my brain and then when i was a kid like like five or six years old i, I really um dug elvis man you know like, like i saw elvis on tv and he was still alive man, just barely right. you know yeah, yeah and um but i dug it and then i got into the british bands the british 60s rock bands but then I realized, man, listening to the Beatles and the Kinks and the Rolling Stones and the Who, I, I, all of a sudden I, I realized, hold on, I can kind of hear some of that blues music in there. Sure, big time. So then, so then I started going back to the blues records. So it was, it was an interesting um, education for sure. Mm. Would you say that Elvis is the first to really grab a hold of you then? or? Absolutely, yeah. But the funny thing was, I never wanted to be a singer because of Elvis. I wanted to be a guitar player. Because the Elvis I saw, like with you know, especially younger Elvis, he always had a guitar on him. Right. And I was more excited about playing the guitar than than singing. You know, and obviously Elvis was much more of a singer than a guitar player. But it just it's just that visual, I think. Mm-hmm. And over the years, you've had the. Uh, I mean, there's so many best guitarist nominations. You've won a couple times as well. Uh, early influences, like who helped you down that path? And I know that you spent some time with Stevie Ray Vaughan. How much did he play a role into what you're doing today? Well, he kind of brought it together um, for me as a focus to, to realize what I wanted to do. Because um, when I was, you know, first time to play in bands at like 14, 13, 14 years old, I was really kind of a blues bass player. And a lot of these guys didn't even, they didn't, had no idea what the blues was, you know? Mm-hmm. So we, we played a mixture of kind of, you know, but with a lot of this, once again, the sixties rock stuff. But when Stevie came out, I'm like, Oh, that's it. That's what I want to do. You know? Mm. And he was kind of like uh, the, the real, you know, kind of brought the blues back alive. And I was lucky enough to, um, to meet him when I was 15 and, um, and hang out with him several times before he passed away. So that, yeah, it was a real catalyst, you know, and, and he was a real super nice guy as well. And was really encouraging. And at 15, like that had to be such a huge meeting for you. It was. And and if I may plug myself here, I just started a podcast myself. Oh, you did? And Great. What's yeah, it called? Yeah, it's called the David Gogo, it's called the Soul Bender Podcast. And, and we're only two episodes deep. Okay. But the first episode, I just talk about all my times hanging out with Stevie, like, you know, when I first met him when I was 15 and sleeping on his hotel room floor in Victoria, you know, it's just, it's just ridiculous. But yeah. he was just, just a super nice guy because he understood where I was coming from. He, you know, as much as he worshipped Jimi Hendrix and Albert King and all those guys, all of a sudden this 15-year-old kid shows up and I had a hat like his and everything else. He just kind of looked at me, oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> I'm on the other side now. <laughs> no kidding, right? And uh, what was your first concert that you attended? How old were you? I was pretty young, but it was Johnny Cash. Oh, wow. Yeah, my mom and dad, we went over to uh, Vancouver from Nanaimo 
uh, I believe it was the Peony Agrodome. And yeah, Johnny Cash. Wow. And how old were you for that? I was probably like nine or ten years old, okay, I guess. Pretty young. And then, and then it bit me, you know. Like, like I was, uh, you know, anytime anyone was playing in Nanaimo, I was trying to see them. I didn't, I didn't really care what the genre was. I just wanted to go see live music. Mm-hmm. And how old were you when you started to play guitar? Then, just a, a wee wee baby. I mean, oh, I, nice. I wanted to play okay. guitar. Yeah, like like my my parents. I remember them trying to buy me a guitar when I was about five, and it was too big for me to like. If I sat down and had it on my lap. The guitar was too big for me to see over it. <laughs> so so, so <laughs> nice. they bought me a little ukulele just to kind of placate my yeah. desire. Although I never, you know, learned how to play uh, proper <laughs> ukulele. It was just but it was something to hold. Just you know? size-wise, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'd, I'd mentioned the uh, Best Guitarist nominations. You've won a couple um, over the years. I noticed on your Instagram page, Juno Loser, <laughs> you put, which is funny. You know which, which is funny. <laughs> I have five losses and one disqualification. You have a dust. When it, how did you, how but, did you get a disqualification? Well, it's so crazy. I mean, and and, and and the five losses. Could you imagine sitting there five different times and having to clap your hands and pretend you're not pissed off? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the disqualification was just some silly technicality, and um, but we kind of turned it around. We did a spin doctor thing, and and just. Um, got the most publicity we could out of it because sure. you know they told us we were nominated and so we turn around and you know we book a showcase we book our plane tickets there's an Edmonton that year and then we're told oh no no actually you're not nominated so <laughs> we tried to make the best out of it and I, at, the, at the time we did so well with the spin doctor maneuver I thought oh god I'll never be nominated again but mm-hmm. uh, I have like probably three times since so maybe they're just doing that to torture me i don't know right it must feel good just to get the nomination in general though right well absolutely you know sure. because you know when, you, when you've been at it for as long as i have it validates things you know and it makes you feel like yeah we're, you know I'm, I'm still achieving things and i'm still being recognized yeah. and you know and, and, and it, you know my first nomination was probably in probably 94 and the last one was probably about four years ago so you think at least I know where all the good parties are. Right. You stretched 30 years of nominations, man. That's pretty impressive. It's crazy. It's pretty it's crazy. impressive, yeah. All right, David, let's get outside of music for a sec. Uh, and, of course, what you're known for seems to be the time to binge watch right now. What's grabbing your attention for binge watching right now? Well, I went down a YouTube uh, rabbit hole because I yeah. was just kind of like having a couple persons last night and kind of depressed later than falling apart. But it was, it was music, once again, you know, so I, 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 um, what did I start with? I'm trying to remember where I started, but it ended up um, going to Alejandro Escoveda, the Chuck Prophet. It was kind of funny, like everything was kind of like, oh, I started, I started with Van Morrison with the Chieftain, so I was trying to get oh, that. Nice. Yeah, like, like when Van, he, he gets that, he gets a blues thing out of the Irish music. Right. And. And that went to Richard Thompson, then to Richard and Linda Thompson, and somehow Alejandro Escovedo, and then to Chuck Prophet. So, yeah, that took a couple hours. <laughs> yeah, that kind of gets to be a bit of a slippery slope, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Are you a big sports guy? Are you, is it killing you to not be able to watch the Canucks? I'm a big hockey fan, but I'm a, I'm a Habs boy. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, and... Yeah, that's the other thing. I bought the I bought the goddamn NHL French rice package. Yeah, right. I did. It. It's like what? Is there, you know, is there any refunds coming from that or what? I don't know. I think there must be. Yeah. There has to be something coming. Yeah, but I'm that's just crazy. I'm just I'm just I'm just a hockey fan in general. Yeah, same. 
I mean, yeah, ultimately, yeah. It, once the Canucks are out, if they're going for the for the cup and they're in the playoff run, once they're gone, I, and I just want it to be a Canadian team. And and it doesn't, you know, there are a lot of people are, are like, well, you know, there's more Canadians on whatever the L.A. Kings or whatever the team is. It's like, well, no, I want it to be a Canadian city yeah. team, though. You know, it's been too. Well, long. I have had a bit of a connection with the Canucks over the years, just because I live out here. So I've done a couple charity things. Um, uh, a year or so ago, I, I, they flew me up to do the um, Canucks um, Autism Network fundraiser. In fact, I've done two of those. Okay. So it's cool. You know, we get to hang out with Kirk McLean and, yeah. you know, have, a, have a drink with him and hang out with a, beauty, he's a right? big music fan. Well, yeah. He is a beauty. He is a beauty, man. He came by the studio uh, a couple of years back. And I bet you after we, we did, you know, I was like, dude, I'll need maybe same as I told you, maybe 15, 20 minutes. We probably talked for about 45. And then he, and then I, and he was like, Hey, you used to be the, uh, the afternoon guy at Sea Fox, eh? And the, and I was like, yeah. And I did the, uh, the indie music director as well. Oh, no way. We sat around probably four hours after the interview. Just, pl- I was like, dude, you got to hear this band. Let me play this band. I kept playing them tune after tune and just drinking beers. And it was awesome. Yeah. He's a, he's a yeah. No, he's, he- He's 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 a cool guy. He's yeah, a big, big music time. fan. So, yeah. you know, and and to be up there with those guys, and you know, you know, I'm, I'm sitting having dinner, and you know, Coach Green's across from me, and Elliot Friedman's beside me. So, yeah. you know, you get to know those guys, and they're they're nice cats. Yeah, totally. That's very cool. Did you get into comic books as a kid? Are you enjoying all the superhero movies that are that are coming out lately? No, I mean, I I, I got to admit, I, I I didn't. You know, like when I was a kid, I kind of. I, I'm, I'm into humor a lot more. So I, I, I used to read the old National Lampoon magazine, listen to Steve Martin records, and that was kind of I was that's kind of the direction I took. Musical guests of the Toddcast podcast are powered by the Railway Stage and Beer Cafe. Check them out at 579 Dunsmere, downtown Vancouver. Stop 
was just pleasing me So why not filling up the gas again Falling in love fast again And I said I wouldn't do it But it's not your fault That I'm slow to heal But I swim the waterfall To show shoes but I've been so afraid to show you like my soul might fly away I've been dancing with those demons but I'm reaching for it honey your eyes of love me above the fire and rain oh and change it comes around when I find myself in your shoes but I've been so afraid to show you like my soul heard this before on the Toddcast podcast. Who would have thought that the Trailer Park Boys would become a cult-like phenomenon, a mockumentary about trailer park residents living in Dartmouth, Nova Scotia. Remember when Jonathan Torrens was a guest? He plays J-Rock. We talked about how the show was initially panned by critics out of the gate. It's crazy. I have uh, been well documented as saying every six months since it started, I've thought, well, that's got to be that then. And it just continues to find new audiences in new corners of the world. I mean, you have to understand, the first year that we did the show, it was so fun. But I remember thinking, no one's going to watch this. (laughs) And when it came out, it got the worst review in the Globe and Mail. And now you see the Trailer Park Boys everywhere. The series, 
the movies, the specials, the animated series, and then they called up to be a guest. We talked about binge-watching Vikings and BoJack Horseman. We all remembered our first concerts, and they shared some thoughts on the stuff that they've done with the Tragically Hip over the years. We talked about marijuana's legalization and the power of social media. And stop me if you've heard this before, the boys talked about the superpowers that they would want to have. Running. Like the Flash? Yeah, I'd like to run fast. Ricky, why would that be your fucking superpower? I guess well, flying would be cool, but everybody can do that. Superman no one Hey, why that. not just be Superman? That guy can fucking do anything. Or sp- Spiderweb. He's getting banged. He's like Superman. Spiderweb, man. Spider-Man. I, my superpower would be that I could invent any superpower I wanted. Uh, oh, not fair, man. It doesn't matter. I like to be able to see through clothes. <laughs> yeah, but so you'd like to be a super pervert. <laughs> super perv, I can look through clothes. Stop me if you've heard this before. On the Toddcast podcast is brought to you by ProTech Welding, a CWB certified steel fabrication shop in North Vancouver, and online at protechwelding.com. You guys know Wu-Tang? Anybody know Method Man? So this is Bring the Pain. Close your crossed over, then got totally crossed and a crisscross. I'm the boss, suckers get tossed to the side, and I'm the dark side of the force. The force is the method, man from the Wu-Tang clan, and I'll be hectic. So come up for your headpiece, protect it. You fuck it, two tears in a bucket. You suckers want the ruckus, you're busting the me, brown, I'm busted. Styles against bug wild, met the man on some shit, you're pulling suckers, files, I'm sick. Insane crazy, driving Miss Daisy, at your freaking mind because I got mine, I'm crazy. And if it's real, son, if it's really real, son, let me know it's real, son. If it's really real Something I can kill some Loading up a kill one Wanna raw deal some If it's really real And when I listen with the stereo I listen to some trivia I always wondered When I'm be the number one And now you listen to the Gargan Hey, yeah, that's the Gargan summary 
And any man that come test me, we wanna lick out them brains. You say you wanna hang with the meth, you bring a rope. The only way to hang is by your neck, you suck a poke off the set. And coming to your projects, sticking is a fat or better, yeah, it's a promise. Take it from the vet or some old Vietnam shit. Sucker, you can bet your bottom hell I hate your bomb shit. And it's gonna get even worse when the gun is the world coming through. Stick it's fucking for your gun. Moving on your left, it's the meth. Came to represent and call my name in your chest. Or you could come test, realize you're no contest. So I'm not like on the one, the old Wild West. Quick on the draw with the nines on the floor. Nine, three, eleven with the rugged rhymes galore. Check it, cause I think nine when this hip hop's like proper. Rhymes be the proof, and when I'm checking out the proof on vodka. No OJ, no straw. You're gonna give it to me, yeah, give it to me raw. I learned that when you drink absolute straight and burns, enough to give my chest hairs a perm. I don't need no chemical blow to pull a hole in if it's all I need is a chemical mo to pay them up. Cause if it's real song, if it's a really real song, let me know what's real song. If it's real and real, something I can feel some loaded. I could kill one, wanna raw deal son if it's really real. Something I can kill son, loaded up a kill one, wanna raw deal son if it's really real. Something I can feel son, loaded up a kill one, wanna raw deal son if it's really real. I came to bring the pain. 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 Thank you very much. There's Patrick Gavigan in a cover of Method Man, Bring the Pain. And maybe you caught that Toddcast podcast. Cheap Thrills 13, I guess, geez, that was probably about a year and a half ago now. Amazing night. And you should keep an eye out for Patrick's Facebook page. He's been doing a lot of the live streaming things online right now for his fans and fans of his band Best Night Ever. Pretty cool to hear and see that stuff. I played you a band called The Boom Booms. Their song was Lord I'm Ready. And what a shame that these guys packed it in. Was it last year? Was it a year before that now? It's a while back. Here's a Vancouver band that wins best indie band over and over and over in the local rags. People love this band, but the grind came to a halt for the boys. Tom from the band is fronting his project, Small Town Artillery, who are an equally cool band. Got a great little horn section in that one. Infectious Live. Actually, we'll play something from Small Town Artillery in just a little bit here. Speaking of good live bands, normally you can find info for all of our shows and a lot more with the indie scene at toddhancock.ca. Everyone dying to get back at it. It's tough to not be able to get out and check out our scene, support our local bands. The indie scene of the podcast is brought to you by Mystic Rhythms Rehearsal Studios. 40 plus years experience in the music industry. If you need a jam space, look no further. Find more through mysticrhythms.ca. Coming up later on in the podcast, in Listen to This, Canadian soccer Olympian Lauren Sesselman talks about winning Olympic bronze and what still stands out from that day. That is powered by Tedco RV Supplies in Langley, RV repair and service, ICBC accredited. Find them through Tedco RV Supplies, Inc., 
Com. First, let's get to the second of three Toddcast guests this week, our sporting guest, American pro boxer Marlon Esparza. Brought to you by Block E Media. Grow your business online, social media marketing, digital advertising, and a lot more. Keep up with them through blockemedia.com. Now, in May 2012, Marlon Esparza qualified to compete at the 2012 Olympics and became the first American woman to qualify for the Olympics in the first year that women's boxing was an Olympic event. In that year, she won the bronze medal at the London Olympics. Marlon's been boxing since a little kid and talks about that in the full conversation. She has an endorsement deal with CoverGirl Cosmetics. She's appeared in a Spanish TV commercial for Coca-Cola. That's big. She's worked with PETA, posed in ads to speak out against animal abuse. Maybe you've seen her in the CNN documentary In Her Corner, Latino in America 2. She was the subject of that documentary. She's been the subject of an extensive profile in the June 2012 issue of The Atlantic. Marlon was voted the Houston Fighter of the Year in 2010, 2011, 12, 13, and 14. In 2017, she signed a multi-year deal with Golden Boy, and believe me, she is pumped about that. And as mentioned off the top, COVID-19 has directly affected Marlon's life. Her latest fight has been postponed, and hopefully that will be rescheduled sooner than later, and she can get back to what she's best at doing boxing the full conversation definitely worth hearing a simple search of toddcast podcast on itunes spotify and soundcloud till you hear that here's 10 minutes with pro boxer marlon esparza the toddcast podcast the virus directly affected uh, your life your latest fight was was supposed to be a couple of weeks back now how frustrating is that and what happened to that fight yeah it was um it just got postponed so it's up to my promoter mm. to let me know exactly when they're going to reschedule everyone's fight because my show and wasn't the only show canceled. So obviously they're going to have to put people in line and kind of prioritize about who's fighting when because they have a lot of fights to make up for. But it was really frustrating. I was really frustrated because I was only seven days away from my fight. Right. So in, in seven days, like nothing for fight time. So I was like, man, I wish this could just happen like the day after I fought, you know, like I can, I can be okay if I could just get this fight with, over with, because I had already done all the hard part, like all the hard work was done. I was done. Mm-hmm. And then they were just, I was, I was really upset though. I, I haven't cried over boxing like that in a long time. Oh. I was really upset about it. Yeah. Like how long would that take for you to get ready for that fight? How many months would you be working for that goal? It's about, usually people take about two months, right. um, but I took a little bit longer for this past fight because I switched trainers after my fight in November. Oh. So there was like a lot of adjustments made and, you know, communication. So there was, it was not as um, hard on the body, but it was a lot hard on my mentality. So mm. we had a lot of preparation going into it and we were already right there at the peak and it kind of... It was a it was a frustrating situation. Yeah, totally. That must be um, tricky to move to a a different uh, trainer. Yeah, especially um, in my situation. Some I, I usually stick to what I know, and that's just me and my personality. So any boxer, their personality usually comes out with like how they operate in the gym and stuff. 
but I, I'm very like, this is like, if I have a restaurant, I eat the same plate, you know, like I'm a vanilla pepperoni. Mm -hmm. Like I have my dishes. I don't, I don't go out from the norm of what I know. Right. And that's the same thing with my trainers. So I, I've been with the trainer that I had, I had him since I was 11 years old. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then I, 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 when I left the state, you know, I was still keeping contact with him. So he was still like my side trainer. So I never really, you know, fell out with him. And then when I came back to Houston, I was still working with him. And then I officially switched my primary trainer mm. after almost 20 years. Wow. So yeah, it was, it was, it was a, it was a difficult switch, but the trainer that I have now, I feel like has a lot more knowledge for what I'm trying to, to do. So I was happy with it. It was just, it was awkward at the beginning. Yeah, sure. totally. And, and when did boxing first grab you? You were mentioning uh, 11 years old. Was it at 11 years old when you kind of were like, whoa, okay, boxing? <laughs> yeah, I started, bo I started boxing when I was 10, but I would say 11 because that's when I started fighting. Okay. Um, yeah, it was. It was weird. I, now that I'm older, I have to think about it. You know, when I was like 16, it was like, oh, okay, kind of barely started still. Mm -hmm. But when I'm now that I'm like 30, it's like, yeah, how did you do that? Or what was going on in your head? <laughs> and it was, it, yeah, I think about it a lot. Like, what was wrong with you? But um, it was more of like, so my dad grew up uh, around boxing. He liked it a lot. He tried it, but he never fought. Okay. And he liked soccer. Hispanic, um, he's from Juarez, from Mexico, so he liked soccer and, and boxing, and my dad used to work out of town a lot, so when he was home, I would be stuck to his side, very much a daddy's girl, still am, and I would watch boxing with him all the time, and I just didn't realize that it was only guys, and it was something that I wanted to try, and when I tried it, I think I liked it a lot more than I was ready for right. I, I knew it was something I wanted to try but I didn't yeah there was a lot of things that I wanted to try but I don't really care for them too much and I just got really lucky I think that I found uh something that I care about so much so early and I think that's kind of why I've done you know okay for myself in in the in the boxing world right so that's your first uh boxing memory is watching with your dad as a little kid yeah, and then he used to do, so he wanted my brothers to box, and my little brother's two years younger than me, and he he would always bring, my dad would bring his friends over from work, and if they had kids, he would bring them, or boys, and he would make my brothers, uh, my brother fight, like his, <laughs> his, his kid's friends. Yeah, yeah. And they would put the gloves on, and they would fight, and then, because I was always with my dad, like, they let me do it, too, and I, I used to, like beat up the boys a lot so i i liked it already but when i actually started to learn it was different and that's that's what i remember i remember like having to like fight in the living room with my dad's friends kids and yeah. i remember watching it a lot and you know it was, it was very much in my life for sure i was just gonna say yeah, it sounds like it's been in your life your whole time were you surprised at the outcome of the fury wilder too I was, I wasn't, no, I no. wasn't, oh. no, I wasn't, um, I was trying to explain to people the, kind of like the longevity of it, because, I mean, Tyson, to me, going into it, Tyson, the first time wasn't really his full self, 
and because he struggled with depression and and all that, I think people don't understand how much it affects you, like for sports or for boxing especially. Right. So when he was recovering from everything that he went through, like he still wasn't his full self. Yeah, he still like won he the majority of the the rounds before you know losing the fight or not yeah, losing and, it, and but then, yeah, the, the the draw. Yeah, yeah. Well, after yeah, people take it as a loss, but yeah. yeah. Just, with the draw because in my head it's like well if he didn't win he lost because he was the challenger but sure. it was more of if yeah to me it was just like yeah it was, it was a I didn't think that anybody had seen everything that he could do and he's so big mm-hmm. and everybody in their mind because Wilder hits hard they just think Wilder's bigger but if you people who know boxing and you really pay attention like Fury was so much bigger than than Wilder so I think a, a lot of things got misconstrued because you have people who like boxing, but they don't pay attention to the details. Mm-hmm. And then you have the people who, you know, are sports analysts or whatever, and they kind of say that they don't know. But I think a lot of the sports analysts just don't want to be wrong if they bet on something or say something repeatedly. <laughs> yeah, right. So, yeah, they kind of try to play the fence with it because they're like, well, I'll look dumb if I'm wrong. So there's there's a, a lot of stuff that goes into people kind of wondering what's going to happen. But I didn't think... Tyson had uh, really that big of a chance to lose, to be honest with you. Hmm. Yeah, and a lot of people were questioning why he was putting on the weight that he was. And I mean, he looked good. He's a big boy. He's a totally. unit, and he can move. You know. Yeah. So. Yeah. I thought I thought he did, and he did better than I thought he was going to do. I, oh, I knew he was going to do well, but he like murdered it the entire time. So yeah. I was like, well. Yeah. Are you into any other sports? Do you watch the MMA fights, the UFC and Bellator and all that? It's funny. No, I'm not. Everybody asks me that. I know I don't know anything about any sports. <laughs> uh, it's funny because there was a, my um, trainer trains a lot of, for training conditioning, trains a lot of like NFL players or basketball players and even some boxers. And I don't know, like, there'll be really famous people that walk into the gym and I have no idea, like, who they are. Everyone's like, how could you not know this? I'm like, I don't watch yeah. anything. They're like, how can you're an, you're an athlete and you have no idea who this is? And I'm like, no. So I really don't know anything about anything besides boxing. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> All right, let's, Marlon, let's get outside of boxing for a sec here and, and of course, what you're known for. I'm curious, what are your thoughts on legalized marijuana? It's been in Canada for about a year and a half. A lot of impact sports will use the CBD oils to recover from fights or from, you know, football injuries or whatever. What are your, right. what are your thoughts on that? My CBD, but my thoughts on CBD aren't bad. It's the THC that makes, like, the hallucinogenic that makes me kind of like, uh, because right. I feel like if, if it does kind of alter how you see things or how you do things, then it could probably, regardless if it has long-term health effects, it is some way or another going to, you know, change your life. Mm -hmm. So there are things that you would choose to do while smoking that you wouldn't do. The same thing like with drinking, same thing with a cup of coffee. Like if anything kind of alters what you would normally do, (laughs) I would say that, you know, (laughs) and well, I mean, I don't want to get up in the morning sometimes, but then I, or, you know, play, my son is super hyper. And then sometimes I'll say, well, I drink a couple of coffee and I'm like, oh, okay, well, we'll do this. But it's more of, I just feel like mm, my 
take on marijuana like if you need it, if you feel like there's some people who do use it for medical purposes and pain or, you know, trying to get an appetite or I feel like those things are okay. Um, but I feel like if you're just trying to escape, then maybe you should try to like escape a different way. Sporting guests of the Toddcast podcast are brought to you by Block E Media Inc. Digital marketing plans and solutions done for you and done with you online at blockemedia.com. Want to shine light through the cracks And I hunt in the night for my truth Chasing echoes down great canyons While the vultures stalk my youth When I call for love It will come to me for certain But not always in the way I ask
And now, listen to this on the Toddcast Podcast. Despite being born in Marshfield, Wisconsin, Lauren Sesselman played for the Canadian national soccer team. She got her Canadian citizenship in 2010 through her dad, who is a Canadian. You'll remember that Lauren helped Canada win an Olympic bronze in the 2012 London Games. She played in all six matches, two at left back, four at center back. She represented Canada in the 2015 FIFA Women's World Cup, which was the last time she would play for Team Canada. Pretty inspiring conversation. Since we spoke, Lauren has been honored by Soccer Canada. That was back in June 2017. She's a trainer, the producer and host of the fitness DVD Fit as a Pro, and is currently playing for the Santa Clara Blue Heat. And when Lauren called up to be a guest, we talked about first concerts and seeing Rascal Flats. She grew up in Green Bay and she's a bit of a cheesehead. We talked about Hope Solo getting her contract terminated. She shared a near-death experience story. Talked about binge-watching Stranger Things and You. She talked about watching the Rio 2016 Summer Olympics. And Lauren shared what still stands out in her mind from the day that she won Olympic bronze at the 2012 London Games. Listen to this. Gosh, I can remember almost like everything in those games. You know, the semifinal game and then and then the, the bronze medal game. Mm-hmm. Um, for me personally, um, you know, just getting that, that feel at the end that we went up the, um, down the sideline and got the bronze time the goal. Um, so for me personally, on a personal note, that was something I really remember because that just makes me feel really good. But then also just the fight and the grit that our team had. Just to, You know, France is a phenomenal team. Um, you know, they're one of the best teams in the world. So, you know, they really put up a really great fight, and it was down to the wire in that game. But just the fact that our team never gave up, and, you know, we just fought for the end. I mean, literally the end. <laughs> so. Listen to this on the Toddcast podcast is brought to you by Tedco RV Supplies in Langley, an ICBC-approved repair shop. Find them online at tedcorvsuppliesinc.com.
That band is dead quiet, and that one is called Foul Words, one of my favorite Vancouver bands, regardless of the genre. An absolutely punishing live band. If you get the chance to see these guys, make the effort. Played to Small Town Artillery, and their song was Only the Lonely, another jewel in our crown. I was mentioned, a fantastic live band and a great group of guys as well, shining a bright light on our city with their music. All right, Todd's Trolls is coming up in just a bit. The stupid mean, hurtful, but really the funny things that people say to what you post, what you see online. This week, Danzig, World Snooker Championships, and Bad Trip share that spotlight. It's powered by our buddies at Good Times Gin and Tonics, putting the GTs back in the G&T. Find them at goodtimesdrinks.com. Trolls is coming up after our final guest of episode 222. This week's entertainment and lifestyle guest is medical doctor and best-selling author, Dr. Brooke Goldner. A really interesting conversation with her. She talks about writing three best-selling books. Imagine that. Goodbye lupus, goodbye autoimmune disease, and green smoothie recipes to kickstart your health and healing. You've seen her in documentaries like Eating You Alive, Whitewashed, and The Conspiracy Against Your Health. Dr. Goldner has been on the cover of Vegan Health and Fitness Magazine three times. She's been on the cover of Fit Over 40 as well. She's a regular contributor to T. Colin Campbell Center for Nutrition Studies, and she's featured in the Journal of Disease Reversal. Dr. Goldner is known worldwide for developing a nutrition-based treatment for her own autoimmune disease, lupus. You will be blown away by the talk. It is now posted at our iTunes, Spotify, and SoundCloud pages, a search of Toddcast Podcast. Till then, here's 10 minutes with medical doctor and best-selling author, Dr. Brooke Goldner. The Toddcast Podcast. I'd read that, that you had a, a pretty heavy diagnosis when you were just 16 years old. Can you, That's can, correct. Can you tell us about that? Absolutely. So far, far long ago, before I was ever a doctor, I was a patient. Yes. So at 16 years old, I was diagnosed with a disease called lupus. And at the time I was dealing with bad arthritis all throughout my body. Mm. I had rash on my face. I was getting migraines that were so bad. I'd be in bed vomiting for a week. Uh, Really, really feeling terribly sick. Finally, they figured out that I had lupus, and at the same time they figured out I had lupus, they told me I was also in stage four kidney failure, and if I didn't do very powerful interventions with medication, that I would probably end up either dead or on dialysis within six months. Wow. So it went from aches and pains and rashes to life and death very quickly, and uh, it was a very intense period of my life, to say the least. Uh, What they ended up doing is using an experimental treatment at the time, which was using chemotherapy, which you normally use for cancer, right? But the side effect of chemotherapy is that it suppresses your immune system, and it's why a lot of people with cancer end up dying from infections is because of that. Mm. And they thought, well, lupus is autoimmune. It's when your immune system is attacking your own body. So what if we use the side effect of chemotherapy to shut off the immune system and save the person? And so I was one of the first people to do that. Nowadays, they give people maybe a month or two of treatment. I had it for two years straight. Wow. So from 16 to 18 years old, I was on high-dose steroids and six other types of pills and getting IV chemotherapy once a month on top of that just to try to survive. And after two full years, finally, 
uh, my kidneys went into remission. It was not fully recovered. I still had protein loss in my urine. I was told I'd have that forever. I still had lupus. I mean, my blood tests all showed I had lupus, but I was considered in remission, which for lupus just means you're not currently dying, you're stable. And I was able to maintain that with oral medication after that and stop the chemotherapy. But from 16 to 18, while other people were just kind of trying to figure out who was the cutest kid in their class, I was trying to figure out how to study for my exams in between chemotherapy uh, so that I could still graduate in the top 10 of my class and, and go to college because that wasn't an option growing up. <laughs> it was, you're going to graduate, you're going to live and do all these wonderful things with your life. This is just something you need to overcome. And I, I really appreciate my family so much for that, that they just never let the illness defined me. It was just, you know, one other thing you got to do. You got to brush your teeth. You got to take your pills and you got to study for your tests. And, oh, mm-hmm. you know, um, it was, uh, but it was very intense. It was very intense. And I did, I graduated top of my class. I got a scholarship to Carnegie Mellon and, uh, and continued living my life. And actually the last chemotherapy I had was a week before I left for college. And so I, that was kind of, uh, how I lived my life was knowing, okay, I have this thing I have to deal with. I was told I could never have children. Uh, I knew that I would probably become disabled at some point because of the arthritis, but I figured, you know, nobody knows how long they have in this world, but I just, I happen to have the advantage that I know uh, that I've got a limited time here, so I just wanted to make it count. I wanted to do a lot of service. I wanted to make a difference, and I thought becoming a doctor would be the way to do that. So um, I took my pills. I learned how to make sure I got enough sleep and and kept my stress low so that I could minimize how much painkillers I'd need for the arthritis. And, uh, and I did it. I, I did genetic research for years at Carnegie Mellon. I got in medical school. Uh, medical school did make me sick. You're supposed to avoid stress and get enough sleep, and medical school is not the place to do that. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I actually uh, started getting mini strokes in medical school, wow. uh, collapsed in one of the clinics. Um, thankfully, a mini stroke means that uh, while I did get blood clots going into my brain, uh, they were able to dissolve and not cause permanent damage. Uh, and that was kind of how I thought I was going to live my life was, okay, now I need to take injections every day to keep my blood thin, but I'm still alive. I'm still here. I'm still going to be a doctor. And, and I still was happy and grateful for my life. And that's how I thought I was going to do this. I figured even if I'm disabled, I can still practice medicine. You know, I can still, I can still do this. Uh, but then when I was in my intern year of medical school or not medical school, I'm sorry, intern year of residency, I changed my diet, mostly because I, I met an amazing man who wanted to marry me and take care of me, even though I was sick. And I changed my diet dramatically. And not only did I lose weight like I wanted to, but I also uh, completely reversed my disease, where for the first time after 12 years being sick, my disease disappeared. My labs were normal. I had no arthritis, no aches and pains. And that was 15 years ago. Mm. And here I am today, still disease-free. I've had two beautiful children. Instead of being disabled, I was on the cover of a fitness magazine <laughs> last year. I mean, it's, uh, life has turned. So now that's what I dedicate my life to is helping people understand the power that their own cells have to fix themselves, that our cells are programmed to heal, that healing is literally in our DNA. We just need to provide the cells with the right nutrients, and they do the job for us. Right. So that's what I do now. I, I give away my protocols for free online. I do live Q&As for free for hours and hours every month just trying to empower the public to get their health back. As a doctor, how concerned are you about the coronavirus? Oh, the coronavirus. Well, you know, I, I am concerned right now about how contagious it is because nobody has immunity. It's a new one. And on the one hand, I'm not too worried about myself or my, you know, my kids or anything like that because we have really strong immunity. 
And for people who are otherwise healthy, it's just going to be, if you get it, it'll be a flu. And for some people, just a mild flu. So for most people, probably 70% or more, it won't be a big deal. The problem is the vulnerable people in our society, the elderly, mm-hmm. the men compromised, people with chronic illness. Yeah, I just read something yesterday that the people most at risk are people with uh, illnesses like high blood pressure or heart disease. I'm like, okay, so that's everyone. Um, but, <laughs> right. Uh, I mean, that's the number one killer in, in America is heart disease. Heart disease yeah. So um, there are people who are vulnerable. So even with those of us that are going to not get that sick, we need to protect ourselves because if we get that virus, we could pass it to someone who's vulnerable. So right now I'm saying don't panic, but protect. You know, I, I had to camp out. I've, I've never canceled an event. I will travel and I will teach happily. Uh, but I had an event coming up in Tucson in a couple of weeks, and I had to cancel my, uh, my trip. And actually, they, after I canceled, they ended up canceling the conference because it right. does not make sense now to get on a plane and to have hundreds of people gather in one spot when we've got this kind of virus. So I, I don't think people should panic, but I do think we need to be smart. We need to make sure we're doing heavy hand washing. We are uh, not going out into big public situations. You know, this is a time to not fly if you don't need to. Um, and just be careful. Um, but it's not that we need to panic. I don't think that, you know, we're going to have mass deaths. It's just going to be that uh, it's something that we need to be careful about until people have built up some immunity or maybe we get a vaccine or, or until it passes through because it's going to take a few months to run its cycle. Dr. Goldner, I'd, I'd love to get outside of uh, health and uh, nutrition and everything else that you're known for, if that's cool with you. Uh, yeah. What was your first concert that you attended? Pink Floyd Division Bell. Pink Floyd. Wow. What a bar to yeah. set. Yeah, and actually it was with my dad, and <laughs> my dad had gotten tickets through his business at the time, and uh, and I was so excited, and the, it was funny because the one song I really wanted to hear was to hear them sing The Wall, and uh, mm-hmm. and my dad, you know, finally it hit midnight, and it was a school night, and my dad was like, we gotta go, and right as we walked into the parking lot, we started singing it, and he let me sit in the parking lot and listen to it. Uh, and then got me my tie-dye t-shirt, which I wore all the way through. Gosh, that, that, that t-shirt I wore until it had holes in it uh, in my 20s. But the funniest part was the next day I did go to school, but I was a bit late. And when I handed them my note, uh, the, the person that took my note said, um, next time you want to pretend you're sick in the morning, don't wear your concert t-shirt to school. <laughs> oh, that's so good. Love it. I love it. Um, when you find the time, because you're obviously super busy, what are you binge watching when you find time? Oh goodness! So I usually only will watch one thing at a time because I have episode. I have enough time for like one episode of something right. uh, before I go to bed at night. And my husband and I have said something we do together. So we, uh, goodness, we just finished uh, Hunters, the Hunters on uh, Amazon Prime, which was super intense. Do you know that one? No, I don't know it. What is it about? Oh my gosh! Okay, so the hunters is uh, it's with Al Pacino, and oh. it's on Amazon Prime, and it is a show. It's a series about after World War II, within the seventies, that um, you know a lot of the Jews immigrated to New yes. York, including my family. Yes, but I that did. also Nazis came and hid in New York as well, and these Jews that are Holocaust survivors discover the Nazis, like in their supermarkets and things like that, and they form mm. a band of hunters to go out and kill the Nazis. Um, it's very intense. I mean, for me especially, sure. uh, I just went on a recent trip to Poland and went to Auschwitz and saw where my family was killed. And so I actually was, it was very stressful to watch, but the acting was amazing. I mean, uh, Al Pacino turned into an old 
Polish too. I mean, he. <laughs> I mean, the accent, everything. He became this this little Jewish man. Hmm. Uh, it was absolutely acting is absolutely incredible. So we binge watched that. We love usually anything that's mostly science fiction related. Hmm. Uh, but that show um, that really blew our minds. I mean, we just sat there with our mouths open for yeah. it. But it's one of those things where you know your heart's racing the whole time. Um, but the acting was unreal. Boy, he's he's one of the best. It, it doesn't matter what genre that he's doing. He's just amazing. Yes. This yeah. was the best I've ever seen him. The Toddcast Podcast. Follow on Instagram and Twitter at Toddcast Podcast.
The Toddcast Podcast is powered by Milano Coffee, bringing you the finest espresso and coffee concepts in the world online at milanocoffee.ca. A look at this week's keyboard warriors, Todd's Trolls, on the Toddcast Podcast. You ever notice how tough some people are sitting behind the keyboard? It doesn't matter what it is. No one and nothing is safe from the online chirping. Not even the mighty Danzig is immune. They just released a new covers album this past Friday on April 17th. It's called Danzig Sings Elvis. Danzig couldn't sing his way out of a wet paper bag. No offense, of course. New drinking game. Every time you cringe at how shitty this album is, drink. Right about now, Elvis is rolling in his grave. The World Snooker Championships were supposed to be in full swing right now through May 4th in Sheffield, England, but that's now been postponed. They're hoping to reschedule for August or September. Seriously, how high do you have to be to want to watch snooker on TV? Postponed till August or September, eh? The smart call would be to postpone snooker indefinitely. I'm not kidding. I'd rather have a root canal than watch this. And the new movie Bad Trip was supposed to be released to theaters this weekend. Instead, it will hit streaming services. It's basically a cross-Canada road trip filled with pranks that you would see in Jackass. It stars Jeff Tremaine, Tiffany Haddish, and a bunch of other people I've never heard of. I'm sorry, but Tiffany Haddish, not funny. I just don't get the appeal. Movies like this bug me. The premise is so, wait for the joke, and then it's lame AF. Honestly, there's more of a chance of me becoming prime minister than me making it halfway through this movie. Todd's Trolls on the Toddcast podcast is brought to you by Good Times Gin and Tonics, putting the GTs back in the GNT. Check out goodtimesdrinks.com.
Those guys are Wayne Grow and an absolutely pummeling song from them called Desert Sun. We talked to the guys last year about playing a podcast show and there was interest on their end. I think it's just kind of going to be a matter of time before that happens, not to be presumptuous, but man, I dig that band. Killer Players, great songs. You heard a band called Crankshaft as well. Their song was Dark Side. And you should be hearing new music from them this year. They were just in Vegas recording with Kane Churko. Amazing collaboration between one of our hard rock heavyweights and just a killer producer. I think you'll see Crankshaft having a big year in 2021. I think the coronavirus has effectively stalled anything in the live music scene. So chances are it'll be next year before bands can really start firing on all cylinders again. Looking forward to next week. If you, like me, are having a Nick fit to see the live shows, you will hear from 12 guests as they share stories about their first concerts. Mine was in 1981, Dr. Hook, Kitimat, Kitimat Arena. And that was an absolute mind blower because my mom used to play them all the time. So my eight-year-old mind was literally blown away. As soon as they started playing the cover of the Rolling Stone, I mean, I was hooked, hooked. So you can look forward to 12 guests next week as they all share their first concert experiences. Of course, I wanted to give a big thanks to this week's guests as well. David Gogo, great to talk. Thank you for jumping on. And next time you're in Vancouver, assuming that that's this is after the COVID-19 pandemic, let's grab a beer, man. Let's have a hang. Boxer Marlon Esparza, thank you for being a guest as well, and good luck with your next fight whenever that is. Of course, we'll be rooting for you. And Dr. Goldner, Great to talk to you as well. Love your story. You're super inspiring. Thank you for taking out some time to join us. And that is going to do it for this episode 222. My name is Todd Hancock. Thank you so much for listening. Please tell your friends, subscribe on iTunes and Spotify, SoundCloud as well. And helping out another radio brother, carve out a niche. Happy to be part of this. You can find us on the Dean Blundell Podcast Network at deanblundell.com. He's a beauty, by the way, worth a listen to as well. Please comment and rate our podcast. It does help raise the profile online. Search it out through Toddcast Podcast. A huge thanks to all of our wonderful sponsors through this crazy time that we are living in. You can find links to all sponsor websites at toddhancock.ca. If you'd like to sponsor the podcast, you can for as little as 10 bucks a day. And the coronavirus has made it so there's a few openings right now. Something that hasn't happened in almost three years. So don't be shy. Hit me up. Let's see what we can do together. We hit over 1 million impressions daily online, not to brag, through the Twitter Facebook and Instagram feeds. There's contact info at the homepage. Maybe we'll talk soon. Till next week, don't be an asshole. Nobody wants to be around that. Have fun, play hard, and most of all, believe in yourself. The Toddcast Podcast. Keep in touch with Todd through Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and bookmark ToddHancock.ca. 